Amen, amen. Hey, good morning, 10 o'clock. How's everybody doing today? Yes, you're good. That's good to hear. It's good to see. I'm excited to be together. My name is Richie, our lead pastor, and I believe that God wants to speak and work in each of our hearts today and that uh, he has something that he wants to encourage you with, challenge you with, shape us with. As a church, we are uh, coming in here passionate today, excited to be shaped by God. We're on a mission together to reach this world for Jesus, one person at a time, and it's happening. Lives are being changed. You know, last week we got to baptize five more people into Jesus Christ. We can celebrate. That, that's a big deal. That's, that's five more lives that are rescued out of hell, now going to spend eternity in, in heaven with God. Um, this is what fills us with a sense of urgency and excitement to go, okay, God, whatever you need to say to me today, I want you to speak. I want you to move in this life. Even as we come in today, we're talking about money today. It's one of those conversations that always kind of makes people cringe in church, like how do we do this and why do we got to talk about this? Jesus talks about money so, so much in Scripture, really almost more than anything else. And so we come at this really as wanting to be followers of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is obedient to Jesus' leadership, his teaching, his model, who he calls us to be. And so we're not coming in arms crossed like, oh God, why do we got to talk about money? But really like humble, hungry with a heart that's expectant today. God speak. Whatever you need to shape, this life is yours. I want to see more lives changed through this life, through your life. Uh, as a church, we really desire to see this world changed with the love of God. And so God, whatever you got to do, let's do it today. Amen. That, that's where our hearts are at today. I want you to think about yourself in, in for a moment. we think about ourselves a lot, so we're pretty good at this, but uh, think, do you think of yourself as a generous person? And I think that maybe sometimes that, that question is kind of hard to measure, right? Like compared to who, compared to what? How, how, do I, how do I know of myself as a generous person? We have moments that aren't so generous. I don't know if you have these moments. I had one last week. I was writing a sermon, this sermon, on generosity, and I uh, ran to um, meet somebody for lunch, and um, the cashier was like, hey, do you want to round up for a local charity? I'm like, no, I just want to pay what is. And then I sat back down to write this ser sermon on generosity. And I was, oh, okay. <laughs> we all got work to do, including this guy. Uh, we got a lot of work to do on this idea of generosity. Money is powerful. It can change you, it can control you, it can, it can bless you, it can be a blessing to others, it can, it can, uh, it can empower people, it can make stuff happen. It's, it's really powerful. And if we're not careful, if, if we're not understanding money God's way and his design for it, it can own us and, and it could be something that we actually idolize and worship and, and serve like, like a God that's not really a God, but a God that, that our hearts are consumed with. Like, I got to have more. It needs to be this. It has to be this way. And if it's not, then I'm not happy. My life is, is meaningless, blah, 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 right? It's this powerful thing that is a tool that I believe God wants to put in your life for his power and his grace to move through you to other people. Generosity is all about God's grace getting through us to lives around us. We've been studying uh, last week and this week just a simple conversation out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you've turned in your Bible, your Bible app there, uh, if you need to look it up, table of contents, we'll have some stuff on the screen as well. But 2 Corinthians 9, um, the author Paul is writing to a church in Corinth about being generous. He's actually getting ready to make a collection. And a collection is really for those uh, other churches in, in another region that are in need. 
There's a lot of persecution going on in their world. And so churches from all these other parts of the world are sending dollars to go help them in their time of need. He had talked to them about this collection about a year before. And now he's reminding them, hey, I'm on my way. We're going to make this collection, and I don't want it to be like this crazy thing. Just like get it ready, have your heart prepared, let's go. There is a lot of people that need to be blessed through these dollars and cents. But he references another church in Macedonia. The Macedonians, he says in chapter 8, um, they're in a really terrible spot. They are under severe affliction, massive poverty, yet they are begging us, he says, us, the leaders of the church, begging us for the opportunity to give, and not just what they are, are kind of obediently required to give, like a tithe, but actually over and above that, they are collecting so much money for these other churches in need. And he says, I just share that as an example of like, why don't you kind of have that same kind of heart as well? And I love the, the picture of this generosity from the Macedonian church, because it's not when life is all perfectly figured out that they're super generous, but when they're in severe affliction, massive poverty, places that most of us would say, eh, I'll wait to be generous until I get money figured out, until my life is less pressurized, until uh, I'm no longer strained by the economy, until, until the price of gasoline or cheese comes down, right? Then I'll be generous. And he's going, no, I don't want you to think like that, Corinthians, real life. I don't want us to think like that. This is a conversation about how you think about money. And so I look at this scripture today with us with a sense of expectancy. God, what do you want to say to us? How do you want to shape our thinking, our lives around finances from your word? Second Corinthians chapter 9. We started in verse 6 last week. Let me just read you verse 6 because this is the principle that we're trying to unpack. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The principle is sowing and reaping. What you put in the ground is what will grow. If you sow a little bit, a little bit's going to come out. It's kind of this principle of like, if you're going to sow in yourself and self-centeredness and in what you want and how you want life to go, what you're going to reap is not going to be very much. But if you're learning to sow more and more generously, you're going to reap more and more generosity and more and more of God's grace is going to flow in your life and out of your life through you to people around you. You really get what you put in the ground. So verse 11 is where we pick up the teaching today. He says that you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I love this. God actually wants to enrich you in every way, financially and otherwise, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, the leaders of the church, as we make this gift down south, your generosity will actually result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, he's referencing this other church area, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you have proved yourselves 
Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you, he says, because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. I want to pray. Pray with me. Lord, we need your help in this today. Money always makes us a little squirmy, God, and I just pray that every heart here would just, just be soft, God. What do you want to say to us? How do you want to speak to us? What do you want to teach us, God? What do you want to rearrange or shape or transform in us? God, I know there's new people here today that maybe don't know you or, or haven't been around real life. God, I pray that you would just make this a message, God, that, that hits all of us right where we are today, God, by your spirit and by your grace. Lord, help me. I don't want to say too much or too little, God. I'm trusting you to be here in a powerful way. We love you, Jesus. In your name, can you say amen today? Amen. amen. Last week, we preached on, on tithing, this principle of sowing and reaping, and the, the, really the exercise of deciding ahead of time to give 10% of your income and, and give it to the Lord, return it to the Lord. It's his. He asks us for it. And um, towards the end of one of the services, uh, somebody came and told me this story actually last week. One, somebody in our church here uh, saw the, the giving envelope and in there there's digital options. You can give online, you could text to give. And they had it all set up to, to, to tithe and they hadn't been tithing and God had been speaking to them for some time about tithing and, and, and they had it all set up and they, like the text to give was like ready to hit send but they didn't and wouldn't and couldn't hit send. Now she's kind of praying towards the end of the service. There's just this like sense from God, like you need to trust me. Thinking about the mortgage payment that's about to come out, a couple of other bills that are about ready to be due, a few hundred bucks behind if she hits send on this text. But God encouraged her the whole time, just like you need to trust me. I will provide, trust me in this. Watch me provide. We talked about it last week, like fuzzy math. Like, okay, God, fuzzy. It's not adding up if I tithe. Finally, hit send in that spot of just faith and obedience. Four or five minutes later, service wraps up, and somebody that she wasn't connected to or didn't know, just a few seats over, just walked over and said, hey, all that service God was speaking to me and told me that you have some bills that need to be paid. Here's, here's $300. This is just last week. Yeah, you could, you could celebrate that. I mean, that's the, the picture of that. I love that. There's two sides to that, that amazing moment. The obedience to tithe in a place of kind of fear and uncertainty. God, how are you going to provide? But then the obedience to be generous as well. But God actually wants to enrich us in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. Like the picture of that is sitting right here with you today. Those people are right here. That's Jesus' church in, in, in a nutshell, just going, hey, God wants to reach people through you. And it may be a simple act of generosity like that. It might be a, a coffee at work. It might be something bigger or smaller, whatever it looks like. There's going to be opportunities for you and I if we understand the grace of giving and we know the generosity that God wants to get through our lives. I don't know if stories like that are a part of your story, or you have moments of generosity, not just receiving, but also giving. 
But there's so much power when you and I understand who God has called us to be. The results of generosity, people, like, you think of that person who tithed in that way. Think about the faith that is built in that heart right now. God, you said you would provide, and you did. Think about the faith in that person that is being built by, by giving. They didn't know. God told them, got bills to pay. I don't, maybe how much, I don't know the specifics of that, but that just the obedience to do that and then to see the response and know like, that is exactly what I needed to trust God in this moment. I mean, I, the faith that's being built, the, the, the thanksgiving to God, like this is, this is what it's really about. And for you and I to look at our own story and go, okay, God, we want the results of generosity, this reaping in our lives to be present and evident. We don't want to be a people who, who miss out on your plan for these dollars and cents. It's that principle of sowing and reaping. Like, God, we want to be a people who sow generously and trust that as we reap generously, you're going to show us what it looks like to sow again and again and again. Tithe is really the beginning of generosity. That's our obedient act to God. And then there's times where, like, like that 300 bucks, where there's over and above that tithe, there's moments where, where you and I are given opportunities in specific people's lives or maybe a, a nonprofit that you know or places where, where um, people are just in a place of need that we get to respond in that moment out of a heart of generosity. When I think about this, I love what Paul says. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. The challenge for us is really our mindset and how we are thinking about these dollars and cents in our lives. I need some help. I, want to, I need a volunteer. Any young person in the room? You got that dime that we gave you on the way in? Anybody got, everybody got that? Yes. Somebody want to help me up here? Kate, you want to help me? No? <laughs> come, come on, Kate. Yes, Kate is going to help me. Give Kate a hand as she comes up here. Give Kate a hand as she comes up here. <laughs> You're like golf clapping. Use the stairs. There you go. This is Kate. Uh, you got the dime? Did we get you the dime? You got it. Okay, hold it tight in your hands. Here's how we think about money. That, that 10 cents is like a tenth of a dollar. It's like a tithe. And um, just close it in your fist, Kate. Oftentimes, this is how we view it. I don't want to let go of it because if I do, I don't know where that mortgage payment is going to come from. I don't know where uh, my next meal is going to come from. And so I got to hold on to it and kind of control it and make sure it goes the way I need things to go. Look at Kate's hand. Keep it tight. In this spot, God might want to do stuff through your life, but he's not able to get it into your life because your hands are closed. And so God just goes around you to work in other people's lives. But it's not supposed to stay in your hand. <laughs> now open up your hand. See, that, that tenth is right there. Give it. Just give it right here. Yep. There it goes. Keep your hand the way it just was. It's open, right? When it's open like this, then you can give it away. Just give it. Give it. 
on the ground right there. Yes, she feels bad about throwing it on the ground. It's okay. Give it. See, when, when your heart is open this way, your hands are open, you're able to just be generous. Look at the generosity flowing through Kate's life right now. This is the kind of life that God wants us to have, right? This is the picture of God's grace. Give Kate a huge hand. Good job. Good job. Good job. <clears throat> this is the picture. You can hold on to it. You can control it. You can be owned by it, or you can have the grace of God, the generosity of God flow through your life. You will be enriched in every way so that on every occasion you can be generous. I think about this as this picture of us going, okay, we got to open our hearts, open our hands, open our thinking to how God wants to get his grace through these lives. Your life is positioned perfectly for God to love and his mercy to flow through you. You are at school, you're in a workplace, you're in a family environment, and many of those places have a lot of brokenness in them, don't they? Everywhere you go, you see darkness, you feel the brokenness, and that is why you're there, because God has put you there to bring his grace and his mercy and his love. And if we're living like this, it is impossible for God to get that love, that mercy, that grace, that money through our lives to the people around us. He wants to enrich you in every way so that on every occasion you can be this generous person that he can say, hey, see that person? They, they have a need. They're, they're, they're struggling. They need encouragement. They need prayer. They need finance. They need somebody to see them. But oftentimes the way we are holding on to money is how we are living our lives. We are living with this anxious, fearful, tight-fisted, I got to hold on to what I got. The economy's bad. Things are struggling. I'm not sure about my next job, how it's all going to go. And we're living with this kind of just fearful, tight-fistedness. And I believe God wants to open our hearts, our lives to the people around us. In his grace and his mercy, he wants to get through us to people around us. See, generosity leads to the glory of God. It'd be tempting to make generosity about us. Look what I did. And when we recognize, no, this is all from God anyways, every, every one of these, these bits is from God. It's all from him. So who am I to hold on to? God, it's, it's yours that you gave. It's yours for me to give and to serve and to love other people. And, and when you and I have that mindset, the glory of God begins to grow. I love how Paul says it in this passage. He says, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is the heart of God is that, that people would know who our provider is and how good he is and how loving he is and how kind he is and how powerful he is. I mean, you think about how could God use a Macedonian church who is struggling in immense poverty and under severe affliction and he uses them in a, in a place of abundant generosity to bless the place. You know where they were giving? They're giving to the region where the church began. Think about this. It would be like us sending out churches. We've sent out all kinds of churches from our church. And at some point, we're under massive affliction as a church. And one of those that we help start is sending back support to us. It's like, like this amazing picture of God's grace being extended to send those people and love those people, save those people, and now being reciprocated back. Like this is the glory of God. And generosity leads to an overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. He says, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, 
Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Think about Sunday afternoons. Anybody uh, ever been in the restaurant industry? Nope. Few of us, a few of us. Sundays are like the worst day to be a, a server in a restaurant because that's when Christians come to restaurants. Honestly, I worked in restaurants all through college and, and uh, all my coworkers were like, don't give me the Sunday shift. Glory of God maybe historically hasn't been spread through a, a lot of people that would call themselves followers of Jesus. When I hear things like that, my angst just kind of goes up. I think that there's a sense in our hearts that we want to be who we actually say we are, a follower of Jesus, blown away by the grace that Jesus has given us. Jesus said to his disciples, freely you've received, now freely give. What you have received, I want you to pass on to people around you. The way that I've loved you, I want you to love other people around you. This is how the glory of God starts to spread is when people recognize, oh, this is God at work in those people. This is God changing them, shaping them, reorganizing their priorities. They're no longer as selfish or self-centered or fearful or tight-fisted as they've been. There's something different about you. And when that happens, God starts to get glory. His name starts to become more and more famous. People start to recognize, wow, he must be really powerful. He could, if he could change them, <laughs> then he must be really good. And I, I think that this is, this is something that, that needs for, for our hearts just to kind of settle in today and go, wow, are we being a people that our story is bringing glory to God? Are you living financially in a way that, that, that God is getting glory through your finances? And for you to really evaluate your story that way, I think is important because it, we always kind of ebb and flow. We have different seasons and times where, man, I, I feel like more generous or I feel less generous or I'm, you know, I'm running late and I don't want to add whatever, 54 more cents on my stinking bill at the restaurant. You know, you, you get into those moments and, and, what I love about this conversation is it's just a chance for us to really look at our hearts and go, God, through all of that, would you just build a, a generosity in our hearts and build a consistency about being enriched in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion? One of the mechanisms, a tithe is one of these decisions that we make ahead of time so that we're not giving reluctantly or under compulsion, but we're giving cheerfully, like Paul says earlier in this passage. When we do that, God put on our hearts as a church leadership years ago when we first started this church to be intentional with the giving that comes in here. Because when we tithe, we tithe to our local church. That's always been God's design. And then how that money gets distributed is up to the leadership, the eldership of the church here. And it's organized in a way that there's budget and it, you know, it's kind of all planned out for an entire fiscal year. And it, it's ran very organized that way. But there's certain decisions within that that God doesn't necessarily give us real clear leadership on. But we really felt convicted at the beginning, like, you know, if, if we're going to constantly be preaching like a tithe and teaching our church how to give 10% of our income, we as a church, we should be doing that organizationally as well. Like, what if as a church, we, we only spent 90% of what came in here to run the ministries and, and, and keep the lights on and do all the things that make real life real life? And what if 10% 
of that income, we could just give it straight away to other organizations, partners, places around the world, people here in our city, uh, to really fulfill that mission of reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. And so we started that early on, and we were like, yeah, let's do that, let's do that. And then, and then we bought this building. So when we first started, there was none of us, and then, and then there was a few more of us, and, and, and we met at an elementary school. Our rent was like 3,800 bucks a month. It was like piece of cake for a young up-and-coming church. But um, when we moved in here, I think our rent payment went from 3,800 bucks to like $17,000 a month, like large difference, right? <laughs> and um, it took a long time as God even grew the church and people started coming like, like for, for that to be something that we could actually, like giving was matching the attendance. It takes a while. Maybe you're new here to real life and you're like, we'll see what these guys are all about and do, how do they handle their money? And, you know, all those questions are in people's minds and all that stuff. And, and so, man, it was a struggle for a while. And we, as an organization, we stopped that 10% out the door. And it was about a year into that that we were just, our, our elders were like, no, we got we to gotta get on track with that. That's something that we felt convicted about when we started this church. Let's figure that out. So we were like, Meeting after meeting after meeting, like 2%, maybe 5%, you know, trying to figure out, like, it's 10%, right? That's what we committed to, but, ugh, like, how do we get there? Like, we got salaries to pay, we got people, you know, lights to keep, we got all this stuff going on. But finally, after a few months, it was just like, no, God told us to do this. Let's just go all in. And I remember, like, just watching God financially here just, turn things in a powerful way. Not only was everything being provided for and people being taken care of, but, but there was all this generosity starting to flow out the doors and all these organizations that we were able to start partnering up with and um, savings that was able to be saved here even like for, for future craziness that was going to happen. And, and, and I think about even like us walking through COVID the way we did financially was a result of some of those early years of learning how to do this. And I was asking our, our finance team to put this together for us. They looked back historically. And you know, over the last 10, 11 years, that we as a church have given away $1,076,155.79. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Just straight out the door. Like, lives being impacted. You know, we planted a church on the South Hill, a church in Cheney, a church in Hilliard, a church um, being planted in Canada right now, churches in Italy, Colorado Springs, Ethiopia, seven churches. That's $317,801 just to church planting. Those are places where lives are being transformed. Our church in Ethiopia, Grayson talked about it a couple weeks ago, started with four people and is now over 120 people meeting there every week. Uh, there was like over 70 kids at this little kids service that that they did when Grayson was there. I mean, this is a result of like us making the decision to go, you know what, we need to just like set this 10% aside and see what God, it, God didn't ask, you know, when you get a church organization together, there's nothing in scripture about this, but we just decided, you know, if this is the principle in our individual lives, let's make it the principle of our church as well, that we would grow in the grace of giving together. We, one heart, you know, we give to help kids in need around our city all the time. Um, you know, over the last several years, $328,271.38 has gone to one heart. Can you believe that? To help kids right here in our city. That's a lot of money. Or, or, or we've been sending um, missionaries. We sent Caleb and Josie Lynn Yoder to Southeast Asia. 
uh, as missionaries. You know, we've given $59,050.70 to see God move in other parts of the world that way. That is amazing to see what we can do together. I want you to hear this. Like, this is a decision uh, to just trust that God is going to do something supernatural as you and I are, are obedient to what he has called us to. Help families with rent and utilities, keeping a roof over their head. $195,912.59 that we've helped with families, keeping them in their homes. Like this, so many families have been impacted by this generosity. And, and I just can't help but just step back and go, wow. Do you think that generosity leads to the glory of God? A friend of mine challenged me when we first started this church. Hey, Richie, I know you're going to go start this church and do all this stuff. But I, I want you to think about this. Like if, if your church ever goes away, would your city miss you? Like would the people of your city, like would they miss the presence of real life? And in the way that you are impacting the city that you're in, a lot of churches, if we're not careful, we just get insulated and thinking about ourselves and, and, and how we're helping our church grow and mature. And we put all these spiritual terms on it that makes us feel good about it. But what we're doing is serving ourselves. And that, that passion just grew in me like, oh God, I don't want to be a part of just just kind of sitting back in like almost like a country club that gets all polished up and perfect for our needs. God, we, we are on a rescue mission. We are on a rescue mission to see this city changed by your glory and your grace, God. And we long to see days when, when this generosity continues to increase. I look at that million bucks and I go, wow, God, what a gift that you have been able to pour that out through us as a church. And I look back even just last year, just at the end of the year here, we gave that offering to, to uh, grow the, the benevolence ministry, our recovery ministry, to bless one heart some more, uh, to see all these different opportunities take a step forward. And, and, and you know, we gave, I think, 42000 dollars in that one-time offering. And these moments are good moments for us to go, oh, God can not only tithe, but he can take me beyond a tithe for these moments of generosity. And, and they stretch our faith and they encourage us to go, how much more glory could God get as you and I learn the grace of giving and the generosity of keeping our hands open, allowing him to pour through? We don't know how big God's jar is, do we? We have no idea how much he's got in mind for our city. We have no idea what he wants to continue to do in Ethiopia. We have no idea the dreams that are in God's heart. All we can see is what we can see. But if we can keep our hands open and we can keep our hearts soft, then God can pour his dream through us as a church, through your life. Like, I, I think about that question personally. Like, would the friends and family that you're in relationship, would they miss you if you were not in their life? Do you live with that kind of generosity? Would, would, would people around you, do, do they see you as a person of impact? Or do you live kind of insulated, self-serving, in your own little world, saving for your stuff? Man, we buy into it, don't we? The American kind of thing, like, oh, I got to get my amount of money and I got to get my stuff figured out and I got I to get my kids to the perfect college and I got to get them in the perfect school and I got to make all my life exactly. What if God has a dream? That is so much bigger than anything you could ever see. And you're living like this, and the Spirit of God is going, hey, I got so much. He says, the floodgates of heaven. <laughs> I don't even want to know how big that is. He says, see if I won't do it. See if I won't pour out so much blessing on your life. See if I won't enrich you in every way. 
so that you can be generous on every occasion. Paul says something powerful in this passage. He says, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for what? The obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. You proved yourself. You proved that what you believe is real in your life. It's not just talk. Nobody likes a poser. I hate that. When my life is inconsistent with my values or with my beliefs or with my theology. And Paul's like, good job, Corinthians. You're proving the genuineness of your faith. Here's what you and I are doing when we take steps like this. We are legitimizing this faith in our own lives and to people all around us. God did this. This is us lining ourselves up with the gospel. God so loved the world, the Bible says, that he, that he gave his one and only son. God so loved us that he did something about it. He didn't just talk about it. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated, God proved his love by sending his son. The love of God poured out through his son is a gift to all mankind. It's a gift of salvation. That every single one of us who recognize that we are a sinner in need of salvation, need desperately to be cleansed of our sinful ways and the entrapments of this life and the addictions that we've come out of and the pain of our past that, that we would just in a place of surrender go, God, I need a savior. God's love was demonstrated for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took our sin and shame and guilt on himself. He went to that cross dying a death that you and I deserve to die. The Bible says the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That you and I would recognize the gospel as this demonstration of God's love. Paul's saying, that's the kind of church you want to be, Corinthians. That's the kind of church we want to be, real life. It's the people who actually prove this faith. Not just talk a good game. Not just say we believe in Jesus, but actually demonstrate this faith in these lives. And I believe that this challenge is one that fills us with a, a desire for impact. These lives would be impactful, that your life would impact people, that this church would change this city that this world would actually be reached, that the dream that God has in his heart, the size of heaven's floodgates, would become the, the desire of these hearts. The love that God wants to pour through this city, through this church, into our workplaces, into our schools. That these lives would be open, these hands would be open, these hearts would be open, God. Would your generosity just flow through us as your people? Would you make us, God, a church of impact? That our story would be a story of impact. 
You hear of these churches being planted or these lives being changed, the addictions being broken, the missionaries being sent, the human trafficking or the hungry kids that we've given to. Gosh, I got a list up here. I didn't even get to half my list of all the ways that that money has impacted so many people. And I go, God, God is just getting started with us. A million bucks. There's a day when we're going to stand up here and say, hey, here's the need for your life. And I believe in 100% in faith that a million bucks is going to come in in one offering, not over 10 years. I believe that that's the kind of generosity God wants to do through us as a church. That we're going to have chances. Hey, there's a church plant that's going to get started in this part of the world. We need help. We need partners. And there's going to be chances for us to go, yeah, not only are we going to give, we're going to send people, God. The generosity is going to flow in ways that, that we can't even dream of it flowing. And I believe that God has a dream so much bigger than any of us can see. And it's just as a simple opening of this hand. That's why it's, that's why it's a dime. It's, it's a tenth. It's 10%. It's starting with this discipline of tithing and then knowing, okay, God, you said you can enrich me in every way so that I could be generous on every occasion. Tithing is us opening the hand and believing that as we do, God is going to fill it however he chooses to fill it with whatever he chooses to fill it with so he can get it to whoever he wants to get it to. Amen? And you are a conduit of the grace of God. You're his church. God demonstrates his love for this city through you. It's a demonstration of his power, of his goodness, of his grace. So I want to call you today to make some decisions, to prove this faith in your life, to become a person and a church of impact, to be a people who open our hands and say, okay, God, however much you want to pour through these lives, we're in. We're in. One is this. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with God's Son, our Savior, that's where it begins today. Is you just recognizing I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. That you're willing to allow God to show you any sin, any patterns of sin, any brokenness in your past. And you're willing to repent of that. You're not going to live that way with that addiction or those sexual things going on in your life or those patterns and how you lie and how you cheat at work, but you're going to repent, which means to turn away from that sinfulness and turn wholeheartedly to Jesus. I need a Savior. And in that place, you're given a gift of God's Spirit inside you who begins to empower you to walk away from all of that that used to define you and walk closer and closer to Jesus. He fills you with gifts and power to become who he made you to be. It's all demonstrated by baptism. That's why we celebrated five people last week being baptized. My hope is that if you're here in the room today and you're like, I need to be saved, that you would take that step today. I repent and I turn to Jesus. That's where you're at. Our team will meet you in the back in a moment. We've got everything you need, shirts, shorts, towels, but we got a conversation with about repentance. We've got a moment of prayer with you about following Jesus. I want to walk you through that so that you can come up here and we can baptize you and celebrate with you today.
The other thing I would challenge you with is a step for some of us. Is you need people that have the same heart, the same passion, the same open hand in your life. If you're surrounded by people that don't think like this, it's hard to live like this. He who walks with the wise becomes wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. You need people in your life. They're going to help encourage you and challenge you to be faithful stewards of God's grace and his gifts to you. We'd love to help you. We've got groups. We've got people. If you're just like, I need somebody to help me with my budget, put that on your Connect card. We've got people here that would love to help you financially. Last thing is this, is I challenged you last week to tithe for 90 days. Not to stop after 90, but to really do what God says in Malachi 3. Test me in this. See. See if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven. Tithe is our obedience to God. That's really the beginning of opening this hand. I want to challenge you for the next 90 days as a family to tithe. Give it here as a part of your local church and see what God does. I want to get this card from every one of your family that, that is like, you're here, I'm in. Don't put any dollar amounts on here, but just put your basic info so that we can celebrate together as a church what God does over these next 90 days. Drop it in that box on your way out in a few minutes. Many of you took these with you and were praying last week. You brought them back, ready to go this week. Some of you, this is the first time you're hearing this. I want to challenge you for the next 90 days to tithe and see what God does in your life. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today? I want to pray for you. God, you see your church standing here today. You see people that are coming to know you right now. You see people turning from sin, desperate for healing and salvation. You see our fears and our insecurities. You hear our concerns, God. You don't minimize any of that, God, but you love to meet us right in the middle of it and fill us, God, with a, a faith, God, to prove the genuineness of these, these confessions that we make, that we love you, God, we trust you, God, that you are in control, you are our provider, you are faithful, you are our savior, you're the creator and sustainer of all things, that it's not too hard for you to provide for these families. The economy doesn't impact your provision, God. You're so good. I just pray that as a church, God, you would just speak powerfully to every heart, every situation, and that you give us the courage to step, step forward take the step that you're calling us to take today, God. Thank you for your speaking. Thank you for your loving. God, we just surrender to you. We submit to you right now, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.